Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Encounter Grace. My name is Ben Hendricks. I'm the student pastor here at Grace, and today, again, I have the honor of getting to interview Jason McKnight. Our senior pastor. A great honor for you, I know. A great honor. <laughs> uh, I, you, you always bring me in for these, uh, just because no one else will do, I guess. But it's today, true. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah. Because I get to interview, about, interview you about uh, an article you handed me probably a week or two ago, which I'm labeling the 31 most influential pages I've read in a long time. Wow, don't oversell this. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't think I can enough. I That's loved great. this. I, this yeah, article, this was, it was just good for me. Uh, and this article is, is called The Fate of Empires by John Glubb. And this was written a, a long while ago. Mm-hmm. In the 70s. But it's terrifyingly accurate and true, I think, today. And helped kind of give me a framework, or at least a broad brushstroke of a mm-hmm. framework, yep. To understand where we often are in in these fates of empires and where we might be today. So the great question that we get to kind of prompt everyone with is, is America dying? Right. So what I would love is to kind of over the next 20 minutes or so, Uh you get to help answer that question for all of our listeners, all of our viewers, once and for all, is America dying? Well, that, that should only take four minutes. Okay, good. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, that is a good... And, and this will not answer everything, but let's yeah. just start talking. Let's just start learning together. You know, it's a podcast for thinking Christians, so let's think a little bit. You don't have to agree with everything, which is what's, what's good about this, but um, one of the... So I read this when I was in college, and it was really helpful to orient me to bigger things than American history or Canadian history. You know, I did college in Canada. So here, here it is. What John Glubb does is he kind of does a romp through history, the last 3,000 years of kind of Western-ish, Middle Eastern and Western Mm -hmm. civilization history. And he looks at the 10 or 11 biggest empires in Western history, Persia, Greece, before then Assyria, looking at Rome and the uh, Republic and then the empire. He calls those two different world powers. He looks at the Arab empire. He spent a lot of time in Baghdad and in Mm. Jordan. Uh, the Mamluk Empire, the Ottoman Empire, Spain, you know, Columbus and all that, uh, the Romanov Russian Empire, and then the British Empire. And of course, this is written in the 70s, and John Baggett Glubb is British. And so these 11 different empires, here's the interesting thing. And here's, he says, this is what was fascinating. Each one of them lasted, give or take, 250 years. Each one of them lasted 250 years. And these aren't five empires. These are a lot. Yeah. It's not just like, yeah, four people on the... No, these end through all sorts of different eras mm. and different places geographically and technologically. And all of them lasted, give or take, 10 generations, oh. 250 years. So that's fascinating by itself. I had never considered that many varied and disparate empires all having a similar lifespan and then as I kept reading what he wrote, it got me even more excited to think through, you know, the providential case of the yeah. stages of, of empires. Yeah. So the, and while we go, I'll kind of walk everybody through what these stages are. 
uh, and there's what six of them, right? Mm-hmm. So make them really clear, and I'll let you explain them for everybody. Okay. Uh, so there's first is the Age of Pioneers. Then it moves into the Age of Conquest, the Age of Commerce, the Age of Affluence, the Age of Intellect. And then lastly, the age of decadence. Which sounds so fun. Ooh, I know. That's the one I'm waiting for. Chocolate cake everywhere. So maybe you can kind of walk us through what those mean and then hint at where we yeah, are as Americans. Sure. So the age of, uh, of, of outburst or pioneers, that first initial stage. The, and what Glub says is he said, what's interesting is you often see a breaking onto the world stage of a rather small people but invigorated and able and through providence or through luck or through sheer hard work, they establish themselves and very quickly become known in the neighborhood as a great power. And often they overtake the current great power, not in every case, but so often the current world empire or great power has become lethargic or defensive or itself has become decadent. And so it's decaying from within. And so this outburst from this new what becomes a world empire, this age of outburst, is really rather attainable. You just think of Alexander the Great. Hmm. I mean, there he is. Like within 10 years, he's gone from Macedonia to weeping in India because there's no more worlds to conquer. (laughs) That's what's called an outbreak. Or you think of Spain, and for all these years, it's these smaller little kingdoms, you know, Aragon and Castile going back and forth. There's even Moorish kingdoms on the Iberian Peninsula until, bang, Ferdinand and Isabella, and they send old Columbus overseas, and they... Get an empire. All of a sudden, they're on the world stage. Like, wow. Not everybody has the courage to sail where no one has sailed. Not everybody crosses a continent in a wagon train like we saw in our past. Not everyone fights his way from Greece to India. So there's a pioneer and outburst stage. And this is really interesting. Now, what follows really quickly is the conquest stage, the age of conquest in an empire. So almost concurrently, and it's maybe even just sort of one is, is just ahead of the other, but really when a, when a people or a nation or an empire, you can call it that, but it's a little early, pushes outward and strengthens itself, it solidifies its gains mm-hmm. and its territory and its hegemony in a region. And there's now undisputedly a new world power on the stage. Mm-hmm. And so the Age of Conquest is a snapshot of this people that have just established themselves and they've, they've burst out and now they've conquered and now they're there. Yeah. And so it's big. And, and really what happens, at, or not what happens, but what we see at this age is, man, the people are filled with what seems to be people are filled with initiative and courage and energy. And it's all about the glory of the country, you know, the glory of Rome or for king and country and all that kind of stuff. And the nation's heroes are alive in this stage. Hmm. That's, That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I, I loved reading that, that just that part where, where he starts making that kind of that distinction of, and it eventually gets to the distinction, but highlights the heroes of the nation mm-hmm. being like these people who've done these great things for king and country. I just found that really interesting. And then we'll, we'll see later. Of Well, what is interesting is that yeah. the enterprising spirit, or the if you want to say the conquering spirit, uh, it isn't just battle and territory and power, but it, you also see it in different areas of uh, the exploration of your country's life. So explore, uh, exploration itself. And you, you yeah. find people sort of seeing new things in the country they've, they've uh, conquered or, or, or been part of. In the sciences, not only in our era, 
but in all eras, people start exploring into the physical world around mm. them as they've set up their kingdom. And these, these diligent, energetic, initiative-taking people are exploring and pushing forward and enterprising and quote-unquote conquering in various ages. Yeah, so At, uh, yeah go ahead. It, well, it just seems like it's kind of like the age of heroes, right? Like it the, is. I mean, this is where all the stories are written about. I mean, this it is the, really this is. The, is. This is the fun stuff. Yeah, so the age of conquest and the, and the outburst, okay, age of heroes, that's a really good way to say it. <laughs> There's an interesting shift that happens very regularly in these great powers in history. As that nation strengthens itself, solidifies its territory, Here's what happens. Now there's this bigger territory and there's a need and opportunity for commerce hmm. because there's more people over more territory in the same legal framework with the same kind of military safety yeah. and trade grows in earnest. And now we move into the age of commerce. Again, these are not discrete. It's not like, okay, December 31st, we're done with Age of Congress. Yeah, not hard and fast, right? So, yeah, it yeah, just, it just helpful. happens. Those so, broad brushstrokes. Yeah. Exactly. So trading commerce, commercial expansion, and it all just happens naturally. Um, it doesn't mean that every nation in the world is capitalist, you know, mm. or world empire. Absolutely not. This is, this is a relatively recent thing, you know, in the last thousand years in the West. Uh, you know, Romanov Russia was not capitalist, but their <laughs> economy exploded in the 1700s. Roman Empire, they weren't capitalist, but man, you think of you know, uh, Lydia from Thyatira, who is a trader in purple fabrics. Yeah. Like she moved for a better job from Thyatira. She was like the branch office from the headquarters in Thyatira over there in Philippi. She's a woman. Imagine the unnamed countless number of men all doing this all through. So the commerce, um, the, the shift moves from conquest to commerce, from the age of heroes to the age of merchants. I knew I got that from somewhere. I knew I didn't come up with that. <laughs> you know, from, from the hero and the great men, uh, if you want to say great men in history, let's sure. just say sacrificing all courageously for the growth of the nation, you know, back then in the conquest. Now it's the merchant and the trader making better goods, selling them at a better profit. And listen, both are good. Hmm. Sacrifice and diligence and, and uh, pushing outward, but also trading better and better goods for a better price, for a better profit, for a bigger economy, for everyone. Both are needed. Both are stages of development. It's yeah. not better or worse. I, it's just helpful for me because, I, again, I love this framework and this brushstrokes or whatever we want to call because they're so interconnected. Mm -hmm. Like how naturally an age of heroes or an age of conquest does lead to an age of commerce. Okay, so that's the first three. Uh, before we get into the next one, let's kind of well, help me out here. What right. will you, let, let's compare these three ages, if you can, to kind of where we are in the American experience. Sure. Yeah, so that's good. So, I mean, I think everybody listening to this or watching this is probably thinking through, oh, yeah, yeah. pioneers, conquest, commerce. What does that, how does that matter? Let me just say this. So we don't use the word empire. This, this article, this little booklet is yeah. the fate of empires. We don't like to think of America as an empire, but really it's just another term for great power. Yeah. Or superpower. Or, yeah, nations. Or, nations. Yeah. Big, oh, yeah. but, but not just nations, because we're not yeah, talking right. Denmark. But yeah. we're, we're, no offense, Denmark. We're just talking about the biggest of the big, and we just yeah. call that superpowers today. The other fun thing that I think is so worth us remembering right now is of all the 11 or 12 world powers or superpowers or world empires, America is an experiment because ultimately mm. it's an idea and an ideal. You know, when you read back 
uh, in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. Like, that's different from the Assyrian Empire. Yeah. <laughs> endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So the thing that's different about America is there's this idea and ideal that God has given rights to every human, and together we can safeguard them and enhance individual lives. In fact, the only proper role for government is as the safeguard of, America, uh, of individual rights and liberties. Mm. That's what we say in this country. So it's going to mean a little bit different as we think of pioneers, conquest, commerce. But, you know, we just need to remember that the ideal, and it's going to come in actually in the second half. Yeah, outburst, pioneers, age of pioneers. Sure, we see that. I mean, everyone moved from the old world to the new world for freedom from religious persecution. I mean, really, yeah. the American dream was religious freedom. That's, yep. Just ask the pilgrims. They know this. <laughs> you know, that's what it was. Uh, and then freedom from all, in all sorts of ways comes from religious freedom. But we definitely see a definite outburst uh, in this age of pioneers. Um, again, though, we're not talking about an ethnic group of people like the, the Macedonians taking over the Persian Empire. Like this was a group of Macedonians who burst out and took over the Persian Empire. We're not talking about that. These early settlers here, these early colonists, they come from Germany and England and Holland and France and Scotland mm -hmm. and Ireland, Spain. It's not just one tribe of people, but there's this Christian Europe outburst into the New World. Age of conquest. Well, nobody likes talking about conquest. This is not in vogue. <laughs> but the reality is that the territory of what is now the United States went from being a big number of warring indigenous nations to being organized into 48 states. And every, as with every world power in history, people were displaced. Now, this is a mm. fact of history as we're examining. It's not to excuse that displacement or mistreatment, but neither is it good to accuse America of a being especially evil. No. It's just what happens in history, and we're just doing analysis. Hmm. We're, not, we're not doing anything more than that right at this moment. But we too went through this age of conquest where territory was settled under the hegemony of this people. Okay, great. Commerce. Did the age of commerce follow the age of conquest? Yes, unless you slept through your, all of American history. <laughs> I mean, the, the American experiment, you know, seriously, like it's so fun to, to watch the growth of commerce in this new land in the, in the 19th century, in late 19th century, into the 20th century, and then for sure uh, after World War II, in the, in the lead up to World War II and after it. It's just, it's just so exciting. Yeah, of course, commerce. We don't, almost yeah. don't even have to say anything more about that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's amazing how the state, like, it just exploded in commerce. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's, that's really helpful. So what, what are the next three? Uh, yeah, what does that look like for us? Sure. So uh, from outburst to conquest to commerce. Now, pretend you're in the age of commerce in any, any nation, any of these great nations, any of these superpowers yep. or in history. We're in ours, so just pretend you're in ours. The age of commerce, which is the, the last of the first three, we just kind of talked about it. In the first half of that age, where it's still overlapping with conquest, this, this noble hero spirit is still alive and well in the nation. 
the optimism about the country's future. And at the same time, commercial activity and prosperity is ramping up or ramping up in amazing ways. And so the hero spirit is alive and the prosperity is growing and, and wealth keeps flowing into this nation. And now what happens is how do we make use of all this wealth? And what happens is civic pride abounds, community projects find great patrons, arts and architecture, uh, all, the, all sorts of great noble buildings um, mm. and building structures and symphonies and theaters and these kinds of things. Like this is what's going on, sports teams, you know, like, yeah. just whatever it is. Like more investment in the great projects for the country as a whole. Mm. And also the merchants are building great manors and palaces. We've all visited the Biltmore. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just unbelievable. Um, and, and for Glub, actually, as he writes, he says, he points to this first half of the age of commerce sort of as the conquest spirit is still alive, the hero spirit is still alive. He says it's a particularly splendid moment, you know, in wow. the, which I think that's how he talks. Yeah, for sure. In the I country's yeah. history where the ancient, and I'm quoting here, the ancient virtues of courage, patriotism, and devotion to duty are still in evidence and the nation is proud, united, and full of self-confidence. Hmm. And so that's kind of as the age of commerce expands. And then what happens? It moves into the fourth stage, which is the age of affluence. Obviously, a lot of commerce yeah. leads to affluence. Okay, we get that. Yeah. So the nation is secure militarily, economically, and what comes next? Widespread affluence. Hmm. And this is neither good or bad. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's kind of moving from no longer being military-focused. Uh, it's no longer just going for glory. No, I mean, or I think it even, like, shifts away from duty. But it goes into, what would you say, like, as it's shifting forward? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, from, from the idea of let me expend myself for the country as a whole to let me expend myself as I make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what happens as you move through these ages mm. into the age of affluence. And, um, you know, money seems to replace honor. Hmm. Wealth seems to replace adventure as what the best young men and women of the culture do yeah. and, and seek for. So it's an era of comfort and ease. And we know that in an era of comfort and ease, duty is always lost. Wow, that's true. So the self, as opposed to the nation or the community, is the center of our consciousness the object, as, as he says at one point, the object of the young and the ambitious is no longer fame, honor, or services, but cash. <laughs> I like his turn of phrase there. And it's kind of true. Here we are in the age of affluence in, in you know, yeah. going through these things. It's not just America. So here's, he goes all the way back to um, the Arab Empire, 1058, uh, in, in the sort of the last half of the 11th century. And there's this one, this one uh, Arab thinker, Ghazali, and he's key, he complains again and again about how the educational standards are being lowered in the schools and the students no longer pursue higher education to acquire virtue and learning, but rather to obtain qualifications to get a better job. This was on the news yesterday? <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? it's unbelievable. It was on the news <laughs> yesterday, and it was on the news in 1090. Oh, no, this is getting scary it's quick. Crazy. I mean, he could rip Van Winkle and be awake today, and it's the same <laughs> news story. I mean, it's just nuts. Another hallmark of the age of affluence is defensiveness. Hmm. Protecting what we have, because we built it, yeah. and now we have it. And it's ours and there's wealth and there's comfort and there's ease. And so now we protect what we have. 
I mean, this is really interesting as you see him flesh it out like this. Let's yeah. protect our prosperity. I love the illustration he gave with the Roman soldiers, right? When they first started, they would build trenches with little passageways over it. So in case they were attacked, they could be guarded, but also countermaneuver and be able to attack back. But by the time they had made it to this age, instead of building these, uh, the, like these little passageways and all of these things, they would build large walls. Forts and walls. Right. Defensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's exactly it. So instead of the trenches that you can, yeah, that's great. That's a, I'd, I'd miss that one. I love that. Um, so then we move from affluence. Is that how you say it or affluence? Well, I say affluence. All right. So, I'm not anyway. Canadian. <laughs> I'm not affluent. I so <laughs> I can't fake a British accent like you can. So age of, from the age of affluence to the age of intellect, mm. isn't that interesting? So as we as we said, the mind now is elevated above all. Goodbye, cash. <laughs> now we're looking for cachet. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. I'm just no. If once it was courage and duty in the age of conquest, and then it was intrepid com- commerce and money in the age of affluence and commerce, now the focus shifts to the intellect, and the glory is in academia and in learning. Now he actually spends a lot of time here, and we're gonna we're not going to do that. Except yeah. he gives four hallmarks of the age of intellect, and number one is just this multiplying of either universities or seats of higher learning. And he gives another uh, example of, of, you know, in the Arab empire, how this happened. Instead yeah. of one or two universities, great cities, uh, now it's like every local town has a university. <laughs> and it's just interesting. This is what is valued more than anything. Second hallmark of this age of intellect is civil dissensions, mm-hmm. internal political hatreds, people at each other's throats, because intellectual arguments never solve anything. Hmm. You know, they just yeah. don't. This was helpful for me. And, and what I, I, I do think, and correct me if I'm wrong, like th- this is one of the first markers of kind of the decline. Like this is the first negative marker, it seems, that we've hit. Am I right? Well, I mean, it may be affluence. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and some would say conquest. Well, that's true. You're right. <laughs> You're, I'm, just, I'm just analyzing. You're helpful here. Yeah, thank you. But actually, civil dissensions... Rise of universities, two, two parts of this age of intellect. The third one, mm. I, I take issue in <laughs> our experience with what John Glubb says, but again, he's describing. So yeah. the third one he says that marks the age of intellect is, um, and that, that he says is not, is not good for empires. Hmm. He says is this, influx of foreigners. And I can see what he's saying. If you, if you pause the American experiment for a second and look at all these other empires where it is an ethnic group that breaks out and becomes an empire. And when you have all sorts of quote unquote foreigners moving to the capital city and the other great cities, he yeah. says, well, what happens is it waters down or it weakens the, the cohesion of the empire and of the society. Yeah. Okay, I understand that if you're Persian. And, you know, all of a sudden there's Egyptians and Afghanis and all these people living there. You know, I think for us, when you go to London, I mean, who doesn't order curry when they go to London or go to Chinatown (laughs) if they're in the Big Apple? I mean, we love this kind of stuff. But here's the difference. Here's the difference in America. We're not an ethnically pure country to begin with. We're an idea. And that's the difference. And I think for us in our experience, so here, I want to get a little soapbox here for just a second. I just think it's fantastic when people have wanted to move here because 
they're hardworking and industrious and there's jobs here because they're willing to move and make a better life for their family. So they're future oriented because they're family oriented. Mm -hmm. And many of them are traditional values because they come from Catholic background countries. I think it's exactly the people you want yeah, right. in the middle of your society. Like to me, I think the only question is what's the process? Hmm. And we don't like illegal immigration, but we love immigration yeah. in America. It makes all the difference, but you gotta have the right process. You can't have people just swimming across the river. You can't do that. <laughs> you have to have stamps on passports. We, we all agree with that. So I, I take issue with him, but I understand what he's talking about sure. when it's an ethnic group that bursts out and makes an empire. America being a little different, I think is very fun. The fourth marker, so university civil dissension, influx of foreigners. Okay. The fourth marker in the age of intellect is welfare. Oh, goodness. I mean, so, <laughs> uh, it, and here I'm just going to quote uh, two sentences. It may perhaps be incorrect to picture the welfare state as the high watermark of human attainment. <laughs> hmm. That's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, it may merely prove to be one more regular milestone in the life story of the aging and decrepit empire. I mean, I everybody am. knows bread and circuses in Rome was the end of it. Hmm. Today, you're hearing people float this idea of universal basic income, everybody getting money from the government. It's a disaster. Hmm. It is a disaster. But it's very normal at this stage of a world power. So that's interesting. Then we move lastly to the last, uh, the sixth stage, the age of decadence which sounds so exciting, but it really ends up being less exciting because <laughs> all it means, it doesn't mean everybody is decadent. It doesn't mean the whole place is filled with moral reprobates. It just means this, there's a decay, decadent, there's a decay from the within. The, the country loses its vigor and strength hmm. and it breaks down as a working, vibrant nation. And I think, so that's super quick, I think you know, where are we, Ben? Yeah. I'm asking you. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're obviously not in the first three. Yeah. Are we still in affluence? Are we in the age of intellect or in the age of decadence? I think we're beyond affluence. We're into the age of intellect. Hmm. I think we may uh, at times be in, in the stage of decadence even, where, yeah. where it's just decaying as, from within. I don't think this is necessarily pessimistic. I think it's realistic to say, oh, wow, 11 empires before us went through these same stages. Mm. We don't have to turn around and say, oh my goodness, we lost it all in the 80s. We need to get it back. We don't have to. Yeah, it's helpful. We can just say, Lord, what do you want us to do in our generation now? Mm. Like Acts 13, when David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, he slept with his fathers. Like our purposes that or God has for us in our generation, it just helps to know where you are. Yeah, it's also helpful, at least for me, to to think of it as, I mean, every nation that's come before us has had a beginning and an end. Yeah. Like, we don't have to assume that this is the center of everything. Like, right. our own country. And look, I love the U.S., but it doesn't have to be the center of all that God is doing here. But there is a kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's unshakable. Yep. Yeah. So why don't you finish well, this Well, and it doesn't that. mean that the U.S. in 17 days is off the map. You're right. It, it absolutely yeah. doesn't. The British Empire, you know, for sure, as a world power is ended, don't tell the Brits, <laughs> but it's ended. 
but they're still there and you still have a wonderful life and the gospel yeah. is still going forward in Britain. The Roman Empire, or the, excuse me, the Romanov, the Russian Empire is ended. They endured 80 years of communism, 70 years of communism, but there are still Russians in Russia who love Jesus and who love their country mm. and are reaching out to their neighbors. So no matter what, in terms of on the world stage and this, this idea of fate of empires, it doesn't mean all of America is not going to be there yeah. in 100 years. It just means... Oh, we're in this stage and maybe we won't be the superpower, but we'll still be here and our kids will still be here. And I go back to yeah. sort of Babylon and the exiles, seek the welfare of the city. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. We're called to build up as we can. And I agree. Like that, and I think that's why I've, I enjoyed this article so much what, because it, it wasn't, oh, let me enter in the date and then it, get, it puts me precisely where we are and now I can understand everything. But I can start looking out for some of these markers and mm-hmm. of like kind of understanding again broadly where we are. Going okay, I I can help. I can I can look ahead and go okay. Maybe I need to be careful of this or be careful of this or look for that. Yeah. And it was just it's it's made it a little bit easier to live, or just to kind of see things and see where we're at as a country. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for this, and thank you for sending me this article, one that I've been excited about getting to hear what you would bring to the table and just, it, I think it's been so helpful and I hope it's been helpful for you guys just as he's walked us through all six of these stages and told us definitively where the U.S. is. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please like, subscribe, send these videos out. Hopefully they can be a joy and just a resource to so many other people out there. We appreciate you guys. We love you all. Thank you. Have a great day. See ya. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina.